Today, we're taking you back in time to revisit the night that rocked the world of music and entertainment, the night Tupac Shakur was shot. Join us as we recap the events of that fateful night and the twists and turns that led to an arrest almost 30 years later. Now, whether or not you're a big fan of hip-hop, you probably know the name Tupac Shakur. Do you know the details of his death? Let's go back to September 7th, 1996. Tupac and his entourage, including Suge Knight, the head of his label, Death Row Records, are in Las Vegas for the highly anticipated heavyweight boxing match between Mike Tyson and Bruce Seldon. As the night unfolds, tensions run high inside and outside the arena at MGM Grand Hotel. The big fight is over almost before it starts. Tyson knocks Selden out in the first round. It took the champ less than two minutes to win the heavyweight title. Ten minutes later, Tupac and his entourage get into a fight with Orlando Anderson in the casino outside the arena. Orlando is a crip, a rival of Suge Knight's blood-affiliated gang. A month earlier, one of Tupac's entourage had his death row company necklace stolen, allegedly by Orlando. When they spot him in the casino, a fight kicks off, setting the stage for a series of events that would ultimately lead to Tupac's murder. At 11.15 p.m., Tupac and Suge Knight are alone in Suge's black BMW on their way to a party at Suge's club. They're stopped at a red light on the Las Vegas Strip when a white Cadillac pulls up along beside them, forever changing the course of history. Gunshots ring out, 13 total. Tupac is sitting in the passenger seat with his window down. He's hit four times, while Suge Knight suffers injuries as well. The assailants flee the scene, leaving behind a trail of questions and confusion. Tupac is rushed to a hospital where a team of doctors fight to save his life, but despite their efforts, the 25-year-old rap sensation dies on Friday the 13th. The shooting of Tupac Shakur sent shockwaves through the music industry and ignited a media frenzy. Speculations and conspiracy theories about the motive and identity of the shooters spread across the country. In the early 90s, the world of hip-hop was exploding with talent, and two coasts would emerge as the epicenter of the rap game. The East Coast, representing New York, and the West Coast, led by Los Angeles. It was a rivalry fueled by pride, passion, and a competitive spirit that would define a generation of music lovers. On the East Coast, artists like the Notorious B.I.G., Jay-Z, and Nas were making waves, while on the West Coast, it was Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and the incomparable Tupac Shakur, who held court. Tupac Shakur was born in New York in 1971. His mother, Afeni Shakur Davis, was a well-known activist and a member of the controversial Black Panthers. She later said Tupac was named for the last Inca chief to be tortured, brutalized, and murdered by Spanish conquistadors. Eventually, the family moved to Baltimore, where Tupac was admitted to the School for the Arts at age 14. There, his habit of writing poetry morphed into a talent for rap lyrics. It was also there where he met Jada Pinkett Smith, a woman who would turn out to be a lifelong friend. But life at home became too much of a struggle for him to stay in Baltimore. At 16, he took off for Northern California alone and penniless. His first real foray into the music business came in 1990 when he scored a job as road manager and dancer with the Digital Underground. The following year, he'd get his big break. As the story goes, a bigwig with Interscope gave Tupac's demo to his teenage daughter, who loved it so much she convinced her father to sign him. And just like that, 
Tupac was on his way to legend status. In 1992, he went south to Los Angeles. By 93, he'd become, as one rapper described him, the spokesperson for the ghetto. Two years later, Tupac's run-ins with the law, including a stint in Dannemora Maximum Security Prison on sexual assault charges, made him the face of gangster rap. Tupac's unique background on both the East and West Coasts made him a bridge between the rival scenes, but it also put him at the center of a storm that would change the hip-hop landscape forever. The feud escalated with a series of diss tracks, public insults, and even physical altercations. It was a battle for supremacy, but it was also deeply personal. The media couldn't get enough of it, and the fans were divided. It wasn't just about music, it was about identity and loyalty. But amidst the chaos, Tupac emerged as a symbol of resilience and defiance. His music was a voice for the unheard, tackling issues of racial inequality, police brutality, and social injustice. But he had even bigger goals in mind. In the months before his murder, Tupac was carefully plotting a way out of his contract with Death Row. In one of his last interviews, he put it this way, Thug life is dead to me. If it's real, let somebody else represent it, because I am tired of it. I represented thug life too much. He spent most of the summer before the shooting on the set of Gang Related, a film he was co-starring in with Jim Belushi. He just returned to Los Angeles that morning and didn't want to go to Vegas, but in the end, he got talked into making an appearance. His sudden death sparked intense speculation, intrigue, and debate. As the years rolled by without an arrest, a multitude of conspiracy theories emerged, each offering its own narrative about what really happened that fateful night in Las Vegas. Some theories suggested Tupac faked his own death citing inconsistencies with witness accounts and the lack of a definitive murder weapon. They claimed Tupac wanted to escape the pressures of fame and live a life out of the public eye. Others believed Tupac was targeted by the government due to his activism and outspokenness on issues like racial inequality and police brutality. They argued his murder was a politically motivated assassination. There were even theories suggesting rivalries within the music industry played a role in Tupac's death. Some claimed it was the result of the infamous East Coast versus West Coast feud, while others pointed fingers at record labels and associates with alleged motives. Despite these theories, the official investigation dragged on without an arrest. Numerous documentaries, books, and investigations attempted to uncover the truth, yet the mystery endured for decades until now. In the two hours after his nephew's fight at the MGM Grand, police say Orlando Anderson's uncle, Dwayne Keefe D. Davis, was masterminding the murder, including getting the gun that ultimately killed Tupac. Dwayne himself has long said he was in the white caddy that night. In 1998, with BET, he said he was in the front seat that night, but he'd never snitch. I'm going to keep it for the code of the streets, he said. It just came from the back seat, bro. In 2009, he told police his story, but according to CNN, his statement couldn't be used as evidence because it was made under a proffer agreement. That's an agreement that lets a suspect offer up potentially useful information, but it can't be used against him. Fast forward 27 years to September 2023, and 60-year-old Dwayne Davis is charged with murder. The arrest comes two months after police raided his wife's home near Las Vegas. They came looking for documentation like notes, manuscripts, and anything else they could find concerning the murder of Tupac Shakur. Police left with electronics, 40 caliber bullets, photographs, a magazine featuring Tupac, and a copy of Dwayne's memoir, Compton Street Legend. 
If you ask the police, they'd tell you Dwayne talked himself into prison. The Tupac case was reignited in 2018 after Dwayne told his story on a Netflix documentary about the shootings of Tupac and Biggie Smalls. Then, in 2019, he released his memoir, which included his story about the night Tupac was shot. It had to be sort of embarrassing for the police. I mean, here's this man saying he knows who killed the rap legend, yet no arrests were being made. Orlando was long considered to be the trigger man, but he always insisted he wasn't involved. He died in an unrelated shooting in May 1998. So did the caddy's driver and the other passenger. Dwayne Davis is the only one in the car that's still alive. Police are calling him the on-ground, on-site commander who ordered the death. His nephew Orlando Anderson was in the back seat with another crip, DeAndre Smith, when Dwayne allegedly handed the gun to them from the passenger seat. The indictment doesn't say who police actually think fired it. But as the only one left standing, Dwayne is the only one facing trial for the murder. Even after almost three decades, Tupac Shakur's music and impact continue to resonate with fans worldwide. His career only lasted five years, but he sold over 75 million records worldwide. His lyrics, charisma, and unapologetic authenticity made him a true legend in the world of hip-hop. But as Tupac himself once said, death is not the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss is what dies inside while still alive. Never surrender. And that's your recap. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, go ahead and tap that subscribe button so you never miss a story. But don't go away. Catch up on more recaps right here, right now. Until next time, take care.